Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Vox Tablet. I'm Sarah Ivory, and this is Bulletproof Stockings. I think we all could use a little bit of a break from the terrible news cycle. It's been pretty relentless lately. So today we're going to bring you back one of our favorite conversations. It's a podcast with the rock musicians Dahlia Schusterman and Pearl Wolf. The universe of rockers who are observant Jews is small. And it's even smaller if you think about observant Jews who are women. Dahlia and Pearl are trying to change that. They're the founding members of Bulletproof Stockings, a rock band whose eloquent and catchy songs could fit on a set list alongside Regina Spector and Adele. They're also both Hasidic Jews and their housemates. They live in Crown Heights in Brooklyn and they finished their first EP in 2012. Ever since then, they've steadily expanded their audience. Hopefully this week they'll do it even more when they have a show at Arlene's Grocery, a New York City institution on the Lower East Side. It'll be the first ever women's only show that the club has hosted. Last summer, Dahlia and Pearl invited us into their home to speak with them about the history and the future of their musical collaboration. Here's that conversation. So... I see around me that there are signs of children who live here. <laughs> Dahlia, you have four of them. Where are the kids this morning? It's a work day. Camp. It's a camp, camp day. Yeah, summertime. Thank God. <laughs> it's been a good time. <laughs> uh, I'd love to start with your musical background, Dahlia. How did you come to be a drummer, and what kind of music have you always been into? Um, I don't know if you want the whole story or not. You do want the Please, whole story. Please, yeah. <laughs> um, so the first time I ever played hand drums, it was... Um, New Year's Eve in DC, there was a, a group called Earth First that ha- were having like a benefit. And so I, I went with a bunch of friends and there were bands playing. And in between the bands, people were like going out and doing whatever recreational <laughs> things that they did. And I was one of the few that was still like hanging out in the room. And I started seeing people going up on stage and playing with the instruments that were there. So um, after watching this for a while, I figured, you know, like I knew I had music inside, like I, I you know, I played piano when I was little, and I just had a natural rhythm sense or whatever. Um, I figured I'd just go and check it out. So I, I went up and I started shaking the tambourine, moved over to the bongos, and I just, it was an instinct, like in- instinctively knew how to use my hands on the skins to get different sounds, rhythms were coming out, it was just kind of just flowing. Um, the next thing I saw was that behind the bar, there were these two huge congas like in center stage. So I went behind the congas and I just was like playing, playing, playing. And the next thing I remember is I looked up and I was the only one left on stage playing. And the room had filled up with people and they were dancing. Wow. To what I was doing. So, so that was a like super hook in. And my <laughs> life was like totally transformed. All of a sudden, any any person I saw with an instrument, I was like making conversation with, I was, you know, and eventually, um, you know, after like a million and three adventures, I then I went to college. Wait um, a minute, that was all before you even went to college? Yeah, I was sixteen when I left. So I went to SUNY Purchase, and um, I met some kids who were in a band called Hopewell, and um, whatever. We all became friends. We all started playing music together started recording started touring and um 
you know, throughout that whole time, I was also trying to, you know, find the balance between my spiritual self and my, uh, the rest of me, I guess, and trying to figure out how um, music would work. And it wasn't really, really working in that environment. The, the, the time when you're on stage is very spiritual, you know, you're, the, you're like being a, a conduit for, you know, the music and you're communicating from on high and into the audience and it's like very spiritual and amazing. Then I'd walk off stage and it was just like this whole other reality that I had to deal with. So as much as it was fun for a while, I, I, I needed more eventually and, um, and I got invited to go to Crown Heights for circus. And it was just like some kid who was like giving out flyers for a party um, on the Lower East Side. And he told me his name was Mordechai. And I was like the only girl in a band with a bunch of Italian Catholic boys, you know. <laughs> so Mordechai is not really a name you hear so much. And it also turns out that he was friends with the person who um, was to be my husband, who I met that first night of circus. So I was like one step off the tour bus. He was one test away from smicha, which is rabbinical ordination. And somehow I was still a shidduch. So <laughs> that's that. So until you came to Crown Heights for Sukkot, you didn't, uh, you were not an observant Jew. Right. So I grew up modern Orthodox. So we had like Kashrus and we had Shabbos. But while I was on tour and like, you know, after tour, whatever, I was, I was starting to read more books. I was starting to go to classes. It was definitely... I need that I knew that, I, you know, like I started putting mezuzahs on my doors, like doing those things that I I felt like I needed, in, you know, in my life. Pearl, you are the lead singer and the keyboardist in the band. Is that correct? That is correct. How did you come to be so involved in music? Um, I began classical training in piano when I was six years old. Um, so that was definitely a huge part of my life. I took piano lessons till about 18, 19 years old. Um, singing was always something I was doing around the house or in choirs. Um, but in terms of music, it was definitely, as much as music was a huge part of my life and I used to go to tons of concerts and know every lyric to every song I've ever heard, uh, never, ever thought I would ever be a musician. So music, in terms of writing my own music, did not even start until just a few months before I met Dahlia. So April 2011. I had just gotten divorced and I was going through a really difficult time and music just kind of started flowing in out of nowhere. Um, just suddenly had melodies in my head and I would just run to my laptop and record myself singing random melodies and then sending it to everybody I know and saying, is this plagiarism? Have you ever heard this song before? Because it sounds cool, but I don't know what it is. And there's no way I could have come up with it myself because I've never written before. And, um, and then I started trying to write lyrics, trying to get out of my own head, just write whatever came to mind, and then piecing it together. And then before I knew it, I had a few songs. So I wrote um, the whole EP that of Down to the Top was written within one week. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I still didn't know what I was going to do with it. I still didn't know if I wanted to go solo or if I wanted to start a band or how I would go about it. And after just meditating on it a while, I came to the conclusion, which I really feel like is totally just Hashem, thank God, you know, made it very clear to me that I should go back to New York and do it for women only, and that I should find other musicians and make a band and start making women's events. And I 
I had a whole picture in my mind, like, how is this going to go down? Like, who's going to be open to this idea? You know, in the from world, in the, you know, observant world, this is music that a lot of people, especially if they grew up religious, are not used to hearing. They don't have the reference or ear for it. So they might totally not like my lyrics or, or, the, or the beats or the tempo changes and be totally confused. And in the secular world, they're going to be like, what? You're playing for women only. I'm not, you know, going to not take my husband or my boyfriend along to the show. You're telling me this is discrimination, you know, <laughs> just trying to imagine like, where is this going to fit in? And, and I was like, you know, but I just feel like there's definitely, definitely a need for it. And even if it's going to take a little bit of time for people to ease into it, they're going to get it. And the religious world's going to get it. The secular world's going to get it. And let's go do it. So let me ask you, though, uh, you grew up Orthodox, is that right? I did. I grew up a Chabad, actually. So how did you come to have the exposure to secular music and to rock music? Um, as far as um, music and, and my musical interests, I definitely did not only listen to Jewish music growing up. Um, I was what you would call a rebellious teen. Um, <laughs> I was pretty, I was pretty, yeah, I was pretty good for, for a rebellious girl. I can tell you that. I, I definitely didn't do anything quite as crazy as anyone might imagine if I use the word rebellious. So it's a very loose term. Um, but I definitely did not fit into the system at the time. I did not feel comfortable. I didn't enjoy my high school. I didn't want to follow the rules. I definitely did my own thing. Um, so music, I mean, I, I started listening to secular music probably at around nine years old, eight, nine years old. Just started listening to the radio myself. And then, you know, Throughout my entire adult life, from then on, I've, I've, you know, always listened to secular music. So, you know, that mixed with the classical background. So I have always had classical music and Hasidic background of Nigunim. I feel like I definitely try to incorporate all of those things into, into the music. I feel like it comes through. Well, let's listen to a song off of the EP. The song that I'd love to hear is Easy Pray, and that's Pray, P-R-A-Y. Uh, I wonder if either of you have anything you want to tell us about the song before we uh, give it a go. Um, there's more than one conversation going on in this song. And one of the conversations that's going on is the evil inclination talking to the narrator. So and the evil inclination, Yetzirah, that is the impulse to do uh, ill. To do ill, but the evil inclination is also often misunderstood because the evil inclination, we could look at it as just the bad guilty conscience or the little devil on your shoulder, so to speak. Um, but there's a lot more to it than just that. The evil inclination, as all things in this world, whether they're good or bad, work for God. So the evil inclination in this song is kind of feeling a little misunderstood and is talking to the narrator and saying, you know, listen, we're, we're actually a team here, if you really think about it. So I'll leave you with that. <laughs>
about the name of the band bulletproof stockings <laughs> dolly i'll let dolly start oh i just you know i was like picking out um you know my new email accounts whatever and i was sitting around with my husband and i was just like you know making jokes whatever and i was like yeah since i'm a husband now i should probably just call it bulletproof stockings you know but i was like passing joke he's like yeah totally so, <laughs> so okay so that that was that and so the night i met peril you know, because it's a joke. It's a it's a it's a kind of demeaning, you know, quote unquote joke about, you know, when people see Hasidic women, they you know wear very opaque stockings. It's like you know they're so opaque they must be bulletproof. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> so when I became a chassid, I was like, okay, uh, now that I'm one of them, I'm gonna I'm gonna own that joke. So so that was my my you know my email. Um, and then the night I met Paramount, of course, she asked me for my email because times we're in. <laughs> and, yeah, and she was like, up. oh, you got that one. Not everybody gets that joke. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I always make those jokes. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I always like to add when people ask this question is um, it's definitely not to make fun of anybody. Obviously, we're Hasidic women ourselves. And whether or not this, the type of stockings we wear would be considered bulletproof stockings um we are certainly you know this is a sisterhood we are embracing all women obviously that includes all sects of hasidic women jewish secular not jewish anything um i personally really like the name because i feel like it has an even deeper meaning than just the joke that goes along with it which is i feel that bulletproof and stockings are two contradictory words that you know one is just absolutely solid and you know shatterproof and the other one is like rips in one second um and everything in this world is is that contrast of dark and light and our mission is to be that balance in between you know to what extent uh for both of you does your faith inform your music making i know for me when i first um so when i got married and i just like kind of was gradually getting into you know the the whole hasidic um life for a long time, like years, I couldn't even like listen to music just because music just takes you places, and it, wherever it was taking me was was a life that I, you know, wanted to leave behind and, you know, go forward from. Um, so it took a long time, and my husband Shalom, was definitely always supportive, and he actually got me this. You know, I had left my drum set on the East Coast, and he he bought me this drum set that I now play. Um, for my birthday, like really wanting me to play. And eventually he was like easing me back into it and I was like ended up playing with him. He was also a musician. Um, 
So, but it was finding the right context. Like, I mean, I, I say it all the time, like there, I never imagined that I would get back into like rocking out on stage. And this is like the only way, the only context that it's just like, I am so thrilled and I do it with every part of me, like, you know, willfully. It, whereas before I was like torn, I had like one side that was in and one side that was not so in. Like now it's like, I'm so in it because it's just, it's, um, it fulfills like all the, all the layers are, are, are like being expressed there. You know, there's this concept that um, before Hashem delivers a chas sickness, he first delivers the cure. So, you know, it's not like we can pretend to know what Hashem's plan is or anything, but it just so happens that around the time um, Peril started writing was around the time I was losing my husband. So, and just there's a, it seemed to be some kind of connection between the fact that I had to have this huge loss, but you know, thank God I also have this other huge gain. Mm-hmm. You know, our faith definitely. I mean, for me, for sure, my faith absolutely influences the music. Um, the music itself, you know, like I said before, I, I try to write in a way that's open to interpretation. I feel like that's part of what art is, is that everybody can interpret it on whatever level they need to interpret it, whatever they're going through right now it makes sense to them. And um, all the music, that said, is definitely, all the lyrics are inspired by Torah and Hasidus. And if it wasn't for wanting to spread this message and spread the light and create a space specifically for women um, in order to inspire them um, to be more in touch with their inner selves, I definitely wouldn't do it. I'd love to hear another song right now. How about Frigid City? And what do you want to tell us about that song before uh, we listen? Fans love Frigid City. It's one of their favorites. Everybody gets involved. And especially we have this one breakdown section where we all stop what we're doing in terms of playing and just clap along. So the whole crowd gets into it. It's really exciting. Those lights make them pervasively bright Oh, if you or I had the answer The man returns, we wouldn't be here We'd be home with our lessons learned Cause everything is so flooded here I can't sleep or when I do I always go empty Could you show your face just a little more frequently I didn't know we were so cold in the city Cluttered here, I can't sleep, and when I do, I owe. 
lot of people have a conception of uh, what is correct behavior among the uh, religious uh, and among religious women. And, but then if a person looks at videos of your shows, you see women dancing somewhat suggestively, somewhat sexually. And it, it strikes me anyway when I see that. Is that okay? I mean, there's not men there, but here are these women and they're not particularly being modest even in front of one another. So I wonder if you can... Uh, walk us a little bit through the uh, parameters of that. What kind of behavior is acceptable? What's unacceptable? Um, the whole idea behind Kolisha, which is the halacha, or the, the, the law, about that a man does not listen to a woman's voice unless he's married to her or unless it's like immediate family, like mother or daughter. Um, it's there because it recognizes the innate sexual nature of a voice. I mean, it's, it comes from the deepest parts of us. So... For sure, when we sing, there's going to be something very central about it. It's a, you know, this central thing. When people dance, you can't, or I guess people can dance and not be central, but it's not it's not your what you're usually going for. You know, I mean, not that it's going to be all, you know, it's not like a... It's not an orgy. Yeah, it's not an orgy. We're not doing like pole dancing glasses at the, uh, you know, whatever, which are, you know, nothing wrong with pole dancing glasses, but I'm just saying it's like, it's not really that what what we're going for, but it's, it is about being like free to be expressive. Um, and when we're expressive, we're, you know, our whole selves and our whole selves include a sexual component. So it's recognizing that, it's validating that, and it's keeping that sacred. For me, I don't think of it so much as sexual as much as I think of it as sensual, like you said before. It's like, what is so intimate about a voice or dancing? You are giving your essence, your absolute inner self, and you're putting that out there. And there's something very intimate about that and very attracting about that. Whenever anybody lets loose, whatever letting loose for them means, they're showing you a side of themselves that's generally hidden. So... Within that space of women only, where women can sing and dance, I, there's definitely nothing halakhically wrong with women letting loose and dancing however they want to dance. And that's precisely why we don't have men there, so that they can do that because, you know, they can't really let loose in that way if it's mixed. I'd love to go out with a final song. Uh, I wonder if you, either of you want to pick one for us. Off track? Sure. Off Track is one of our personal favorite songs, and we love to play it. We like just love the energy that comes through it. So, yeah.
That was Pearl Wolf and Dahlia Schusterman of Bulletproof Stockings. They'll be performing this Thursday along with Ellie Shevemeister, Dana Peston, and Miriam Brosseau at Arlene's Grocery in Manhattan. For information on that show and on other upcoming shows, you can visit our website, tabletmag.com. Vox Tablet is produced by Julie Subrin. I'm your host, Sarah Avery. We thank you so much for listening. Please join us again next time.